Y'all can grab a seat. Thank you, band. It was amazing, as usual. Well, good morning, church, and welcome to week three of our Word for the Year series that we're calling Surrender. Um, and if you've missed the last two weeks and don't really know what this is about, essentially, uh, as a staff team, and, and I looped our elders team into this as well, we, we took some time last year to pray and ask God, what do you have for your church? What are you calling us as a church to do in 2023? And, and through this process of discerning and praying, God really clearly laid it on our hearts that we as a church and as people who are part of this church are called to surrender, which means to cease resistance, i.e. stop being a stubborn kid kicking and screaming as God tries to lead you somewhere, and it means to submit to his authority that whatever God says, we do. And so we started the first two weeks really looking at some very basic principles of surrender, such as learning to rely on God's wisdom over our wisdom in every area of our life. And last week we talked about becoming like a child in God's presence, how as believers we have been adopted into God's royal family, which gives us status, it gives us power, it gives us access to our Father, and it means that God will provide for us, protect us, teach us, discipline us, um, and do the fatherly things to provide for us and our needs. And really though, as, as we were prepping this series, we, we, were, we had a list of like 16 different possible topics we could talk about, and, and our speaking team, we were going through, and we felt that we wanted to start off this series with an explanation of perhaps the most important aspect of surrender. You know, these past few weeks we've talked about listening to God's voice and obeying it, but often the question arises, well, how do I hear God's voice? Or how do I know that it's God's voice that I hear when I think it is versus my voice or, or something else? So John 10 puts it this way, Jesus is speaking to some Jews who are like, well, are you the Messiah or are you not? And he's like, well, I am. Haven't you seen the signs that I've done? And they're like, what are you talking about? What signs? And, and Jesus, he, he responds to them. He's like, well, you would have seen the signs if you'd paid attention. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. Now, if you're a farmer and you don't like sheep, it might be a little bit insulting. It's a metaphor. And Jesus, this is at the end of this longer passage in which Jesus has said to his disciples, hey, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I take care of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I call them out by name, and they come to me, and they follow me. All who came before me were thieves and bandits, but my, or my sheep did not follow them, for they do not follow the voice of a stranger. 
And it's this metaphor about salvation specifically. That when we are saved, that is, in essence, we hear Jesus' voice and we come to him and we choose to believe in him. And when we are saved, we become a part of his flock. He is our good shepherd, which there's a whole picture there of he protects us, he preserves us, he guides us. But as we are saved, it says we hear his voice and we follow him. It's this picture that as Christians, which literally means Christ followers, that when we believe, we will be able to hear the voice of God and follow him wherever he leads. So this morning, I want to just talk really, really practically. I just want to give some insight and and wisdom from my experience and from other people's experience and from the Bible of of how do we hear God's voice? Like how how do we actually hear God's voice and know that it's God's voice so that we as people who are surrendered to God can be obedient to him and follow him? So this morning I want to talk about the heart that hears. Now, a couple weeks ago, um, I was watching Monday Night Football, and I'm a big football fan. Uh, I see we have Oilers jerseys in the house. I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of hockey. Uh, I just don't have enough time to watch like 80 games a year. Um, 17, more than enough. Uh, but, but I'm a big football fan. I cheer for the Packers. They are out of the playoffs already, unfortunately, whatever, it's neither here nor there, but, but <laughs> I'm over it, I'm over it. <laughs> Went through the mourning process, it's okay, I'll be fine. Um, but I was watching Monday Night Football, and it was this game that promised to be really good between the Buffalo Bills, who were like my second favorite team because I grew up like 30 kilometers away from them, and the Cincinnati Bengals, both are really, really good teams. And um, it was just your ordinary football game. I was, had it on in the background as I was doing other things um, because I like to multitask. It's not a real thing, but I like to try. Um, and I was just watching this game, and, and about six minutes in, I'm watching this, this just ordinary football play as Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, throws a ball to one of his wide receivers, and the receiver catches it and turns upfield and, and goes running upfield and gets tackled by one of the Bills' defenders. And then I watched in horror, my wife was with me at this point, I watched in horror as the Bills' defender stands up for a second and then collapses to the ground. And immediately goes to commercials and we're like, what just happened? And as we continue to watch, we, we see an ambulance come on field. We hear commentators say that they've been doing CPR on this kid for nine minutes. That, and later on, we find out that he had to be resuscitated twice. And, but the, in the aftermath of it, both me and my wife are like, did we just watch somebody die on live TV? Like, what happened? And so we did what most people would do, and we hopped on Twitter and started looking for news. Um, 
Now, let me tell you one thing about any social media platform. Worst source of news ever. Like, you want to know what's true, don't go on social media. Because we just started scrolling hashtags and searching his name and looking, and there was a flood of tweets from people who had no idea what was going on saying, oh, well, this is what happened. He has a rare genetic disorder. How could you possibly know that? Like, how on earth do you know that? Or, or uh, we found some reporters who were just reporting, like, this is exactly what's happening right now. They weren't speculating. And one reporter was like, there's an ambulance. Uh, he's in an ambulance outside of the stadium, and they're waiting for his mom to come down from the stands before they go to the hospital. And the comments on the tweet were like, well, he's clearly dead. <laughs> what? And it was just misinformation and, and, and speculation from people who had no idea what was going on. And long story short, he's fine. He's out of the hospital. He is expected to go back into football, so praise God for that. Um, and it was really, really cool seeing, like, after it happened, we saw the the teams and players like kneeling down on the field and praying and people on TV praying. It, it, it was really cool seeing people turn to God in a moment of crisis. But, but what I realized in that moment was if I wanted to know what actually was happening, I needed to find reporters who are actually on the ground who are just saying facts. I needed to cut out the noise and the garbage of the people who are just speculating as to what happened, and I needed to focus on what was true. And you see, I think in all of our lives, we are constantly bombarded by so many different voices. Voices that try to tell us who we are what we should do, how we should act, what we should look like, how we should dress, what thing we should buy. And these voices that are constantly trying to get our attention, trying to capture our focus. And so if we want to know what is true, and if we want to be obedient to God in doing what he has called us to do, we need to be intentional. We need to Find the truth and shut out the noise. See, the reality is I believe that God wants to have a relationship with us. That God is always speaking to us and he wants to guide us and provide for us and protect us and to make a way for us and to bring us peace and life. But if we are to discover what is true about ourself and the world, then we have to start to go to the source of all truth. See, the reality is that there is no one else in the universe who knows exactly why we work the way we work. There is no one else in the universe who knows every single one of your thoughts, still loves you even after those some crazy thoughts you've had in the past, still loves you, but he knows every thought that crosses your mind. There's only one person in the world who knows exactly your motives and your intentions and the motives and intentions of everyone else around you. Only one person knows why the world operates the way it does. We can speculate, science gives theories, but often you read a new news article and you're like, oh, well, 
that theory's out the window, cool. And, and things can change in our understanding, but there's one person who knows why we work the way we do and why the world works the way it does, and that's God. And the beauty of God is the Bible tells us he cannot lie. So if we want to know the truth, then we need to go to the source. Instead of listening to all the voices that are telling us, oh, well, you'll never amount to anything because that's what the people in high school told you. And, oh, you messed up again. See, there's proof. You're never going to amount to anything. Or the voices are like, well, you feel anxious in this moment, so you must be an anxious person. And suddenly, what you felt becomes your identity, even though that's not what God created you to be. And we need to move past these lies and sort through these lies to find what is true. So in the Bible, we find that God speaks to people in many, many, many different ways. So, for instance, this is, just a, this is not an exhaustive list of how God speaks to people, but in the Bible, we see God speak through other people and angels. So if you read any of the prophetic books in the Old Testament or any of the prophets, even in the New Testament, you'll see God, he speaks to a person, and that person relays the message to others. And we see God, he appears to people through angels and speaks to them, like Joseph, who's um, after he finds out that his fiance is having a baby, and he's like, well, we haven't done anything. And he's like, I'm going to divorce her. And an angel appears to him and is like, no, 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 that's from the Holy Spirit. Don't divorce her. She's going to bear a son, name him Jesus. So we see God speak through people and angels. We see God speak through dreams and visions frequently. Like in Genesis, Joseph, he, he goes out, or sorry, not Joseph, Jacob, he goes out and, and he's running away from his brother and he lies down one night and, and sees this and has this uh, dream of heaven opening and angels ascending and descending a staircase. It's God revealing and speaking to Jacob through a dream. We see God speaking through our thoughts and feelings, bringing us peace in a situation when we should not have peace. We see God speak through our circumstances, like Jonah, who's like, God, you told me to go do this thing. Nope. And he goes and he tries to run away from God, and so God's like, well, here's a storm. I'm going to speak through the circumstances so that you have to go do what I told you to do. We see God speak through creation. Romans 1 tells us that his eternal qualities and invisible nature is, is made visible in creation. We see God speak through supernatural manifestations. I love these. Like uh, through a burning bush to Moses. Or through Gideon's fleece where he leaves it out and he's like, if it's wet in the morning, that's a yes. If it's dry in the morning, that's a no. We see in Acts 9 after Jesus appear, or after Jesus has already ascended to heaven, he appears and my favorite is in Numbers, where a guy, a prophet, is just riding down the road on his donkey, and God's like, this guy's not listening to me. So he opens the donkey's mouth, and the donkey speaks to him. Never had that happen in my life. That's, I, I don't know what you'd do um, at that point. And we see that he also speaks through the Bible. 2 Timothy 3 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for correction, for reproof, for exhortation, and for teaching in righteousness. And, and so 
this is just an overview of the many, many, many different ways that God speaks to people in Scripture. And really, this is to show you, God can use whatever he wants to speak to people. My brother, he hears God speak to him through Pokemon Go. I don't know how. Just how God speaks to him. And so for me, often, like, God will speak to me through Scripture or through other people or, or just through a voice in my head. And, and, and so what's important, though, is not how God speaks, but are we listening? So Matthew 6, Jesus um, is speaking to this larger crowd of people, and he makes this statement. He says, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is saying this to a larger crowd of people, and it's in the middle of this longer paragraph this longer portion of this, this message he's bringing them, in which he's saying, hey guys, when you practice religion, stop doing it to get attention. He's like, when you give, stop doing it to get attention. When you pray, stop doing it to get attention. When you fast, stop doing it to get attention. And, and the question he's really posing to them is, what's in your heart? When you do these things, what's in your heart? You know, I had a guy once um, I met with, and, and he told me, he's like, you, should, you, you need to stop praying publicly at church. I'm like, why? Well, Matthew 6. And I had to look at him and be like, buddy, I, Jesus was not giving a hard, fast rule that whenever you pray, you have to go into your room. He's not like, Jesus is not like, hey, Christians, 2,000 years from now, don't pray in front of other people. Like, no, the, the point is what, what is, what is the intention of your heart? Are you praying to God to connect with him? Are you praying to show off? And so in this culture, Jewish males were expected to pray many times a day. It was like you're expected to pray morning and evening, before and after eating. Okay, poll. Let's do a poll here. How many of you pray before you eat? Okay. Bunch of us. How many of you pray after you eat? One person. Nice. It's, I mean, it's often Christian tradition to pray before meals, but not really after. That was, but that was Jewish practice. They're expected to stand and to bow. They're expected to do all these different kinds of things. And, and they were expected to always face towards Jerusalem when they prayed. So long list of rules and expectations that people had on them. And as you can imagine, when you're given a long list of rules and expectations in order to do something and everyone was expected to do, it can be easy to do it to try and show off. Like, look how holy I am. I pray six times a day instead of four. And, and so Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Don't. Don't do that. That's not the point. He says, don't do it to get people's attention. But when you pray, 
go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who sees in secret. What's the motive? But the beautiful thing about this is it actually, in my life, gives a very, very, very practical thing that I practice whenever I want to pray and connect with God. See, when I pray, I have learned that if my phone is anywhere near me, I will be distracted and I will not be able to connect with God. And so the first thing we need in order to pray and hear God's voice is we need a focused heart. We need to shut out the noise and listen. So again, when I pray, I, make sh- I do it in the morning, or like I have an intentional time in the morning, and my wife knows, don't come downstairs. Like, I, I just, I don't want anyone to be around. I don't want anyone to possibly be around because if anybody is around, I'm going to feel awkward and then I'm going to be disingenuine. So I'm like, no, no, I, I'm going to be totally alone. My phone is going to be somewhere distant from me in Do Not Disturb so that it doesn't ring and doesn't distract me. I'm going to make sure that any other distractions like my computer or, or any books that might be distracting, they're, they're away from me. Because I know that if I don't shut out the noise, then what is urgent or what feels urgent in the moment will replace what is actually important. So we have to shut out the noise. We have to have a focused heart. And the second thing there is we need to listen. We need to listen. You have no idea how many times I've had people ask me, They're like, I've prayed about this thing a million times. You can go back a slide. We're not on that one yet. Um, But I prayed about this thing a million times, and I just, God isn't answering. I'm like, okay. And usually my first question to them is, have you stopped and listened? Because we can get caught up. God, I need you to pray. I need to pray for Susie because she has a bad back, and I need you to pray for Jen because she's dealing with this, and yada, 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 yada. And then we get to the end of our prayer time, and like, oh, God, cool. I need to go to work. Bye. Like, if, if you've ever been on the phone with somebody who won't shut up, that's kind of how I picture God as in heaven. He's just like, uh, 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 okay. We need to shut out the noise, shut out the distractions so we can focus and we need to listen. Because I believe God wants to speak to us. I believe God wants, has something he wants to say to you. But if you're over here just scrolling on TikTok all day, well, chances are you're never going to hear his voice. So you aren't taking time to listen. So we need a focused heart. And the second thing we need is we need a discerning heart. Growing up, um, my parents did a good job of um, teaching me and my brother to uh, hear God's voice and Often, as, as a kid, it wasn't my favorite thing in the world because it'd be like, Mom, I want to go on this youth retreat. What does God say? I don't care what God says. I, I want to go on this youth retreat. Like, come on. And, and so my, my practice as a kid, and don't do this. This is a terrible way of doing this. My practice as a kid was I would open the Bible to a random page, and the first word I saw, whether it was yes or no, that was the answer. 
unless the answer was the wrong one, and then it was the second word I saw, just being real. Um, and so God can speak through that, but it's really arbitrary, and, and it, it, you're leaving it really up to where you flip in the Bible. So, um, but, but over time, my, my, my parents, through doing this, they taught me and my brother to begin to listen to God's voice and to uh, test the voices we heard. And so, I, over my life, I've had God speak to me in many ways. Sometimes it's as simple as I'm reading my Bible in, in my daily devotions, and suddenly God just brings a passage to light. It's like I read John 3.16, and just, oh my goodness, God loved me that much? And he just brings that passage to life. Sometimes I, I'll go out into nature, because that's just one of my spiritual pathways. It's, it, I connect well with God in nature. I just go out into nature and enjoy the beautiful outdoors when it's not minus 40. Um, and just talk. I'm like, God, I'm struggling with this and this and this, and just take some time to listen. Often it'll be in worship, either here at the church or just putting on worship music at home, and, and I'll hear God speak to me and tell me, like, I love you, or here's a word for somebody who's dealing with X, Y, or Z, and, and, and he'll just speak to me. Sometimes I, I have to go and ask friends who I trust. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, I need you to pray about a situation. I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. Just tell me what you hear from God. And you get like three or four people to do that, and you come back, you get all the words, you get all the verses, you get all the images, and you're like, oh, look at that. Everything lines up. That's weird. And often, I also find that God will just speak to me in my mind. I've never heard God's audible voice. I know some people who have, but, but he'll often speak into my mind. And so the question that I had to wrestle with and learn to deal with was not the question of how does God speak to me, but how do I know it is God speaking to me? Because the reality is, especially when you're dealing with your thoughts, if you think God is speaking to you in your mind, you want to make sure that it's God, not your thoughts, and that it's God, and especially not like an evil spirit. And so as a kid, I started doing this, and, and this is something we also do in deliverance sessions as well. And it was just like, I would ask God a question, and then whatever response I heard, I would question it. Because the reality is, God is consistent in his nature. So God will always be consistent. Who he is revealed to be in the Bible, he will still act that way today. Jesus is perfect theology, so if you want to know if a voice is from God or not, does it line up with who the Bible says Jesus is? So I'd be like, God, should I go on this youth retreat? I really think I should because I really want to, but my parents are making me do this, so why don't you give me an answer? Should I go? And then i just wait. And I think I hear, yes. Okay. Why should I go? I hear, well, because I have something that I want to do in your life at this retreat. Well, what is it? Well, you're going to find out. Okay. Now let's make sure that this is God. So, is Jesus Lord? Yes. 
Is Jesus your Lord? Yes. Did Jesus come and die on the cross to save us from our sins? Yes. Do you love me? And at each step, I just question it and question it and question it to see if what I was hearing was from God. And if at any point I got a wrong answer, I was like, it's not from God. And this is something we do in deliverance sessions as well uh, when we're helping people find freedom from oppression uh, from demons. And if that freaks you out a little bit, well, I'm sorry, Jesus told us to cast out demons, so we're going to cast out demons. Um, but it makes some people uncomfortable, I get it. Uh, but, but we always start, when we go into a session like that, uh, and, and we start to deal with these things, uh, we always start by like, binding the spirits and putting them under the authority of Jesus and, and whatnot to, to provide protection and safety. But then we say, like, Jesus, bring, if there's any evil spirit in this person, bring it to attention, and if not, let the only voice they hear be that of the Holy Spirit. And we just start going through questions. Is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? Do you love this person? Did Jesus come and die on the cross, etc., 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 etc.? And if at any point we get a wrong answer, we're like, let's get at her. First John 4 puts it this way. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. The point being that you, when you're learning to hear from God, when you're learning to hear his voice and recognize his voice, there will be competing things. Your thoughts will try and get in there, Evil spirits might try and speak into that, but no spirit can confess that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. So if we want to learn to hear God's voice, we need a discerning heart. We need to learn to recognize God's voice, which is a process of growing. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. And we need to test the spirits. So again, the reality is God wants to speak to us. He can do it through many ways, but why limit him? If we want to hear from God, we want to have a heart that hears, we need to have a focused heart to shut out the noise and to listen. And we need to have a discerning heart to learn to recognize his voice and to test the Spirit's. Isaiah 30 says this. It says, O people in Zion, inhabitants of Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He, being God, will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Though the Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself any longer, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And this is a prophecy that the prophet Isaiah is giving to the people of 
Israel and specifically Jerusalem during a period where they have been suffering because of the consequences of their sin. And God had said, hey, do this, do this, do this. I will protect you. But if you stop doing these things, I will withhold my protection. And they are suffering from that. And in this prophecy, Isaiah is painting this picture of a time when the teacher will be revealed, when Jesus will be revealed, when we will be able to be led by the Spirit of God. And it's this picture of a time we now live in, where Jesus, as he was on the way to the cross, he, he um, grabbed his disciples and he started to explain, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave. And they're like, please don't. He's like, don't worry, guys, because if I go, I will send another who will be with you. This is the spirit of truth who will be with you. He will guide you into all truth. Point being, we have access to God. We have access to God. And we live in this time where we can listen for God's voice. It's like, God, should I go to the left? This is the way. Go in it. Should I go to the right? This is the way. Go in it. Unless, of course, he says, don't go in it. Um, but we, can, we have access. So we're, when we're wondering, what should I do with my life? We say, God, what should I do with my life? And we stop, focus, listen, discern. This is the way. Walk in it. When we wonder, who am I? How am I supposed to interact with the world? What kind of person should I be? God, who have you called me to be? And we stop, focus, listen, discern, obey. This is the way. Walk in it. God, should I do A, B, C, or D? Because I have so many options, God, and all of them seem good and equally good. God, what should I do? Stop, focus, listen, discern, and obey. So you see, if we are to be people who are fully surrendered to God this year, then we need to listen to His voice. We need to learn to hear His voice. That when we hear him speak, we can know, yeah, that, that's, that's my father. That's God. He's with me. And then we can obey. I want to take us through a bit of an activity right now. It's a process that we uh, as a church have done for many, many, many years that over the years has helped a lot of people hear God's voice, sometimes for the first time. So we have a series of questions that I'm going to ask you to, to pose to God and just take a second and listen. And it, it, it's going to feel weird, but that's fine. Because God wants to speak to you this morning. So I want to encourage everyone to just shut your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask God this question. If I were to play any game with God, what would it be? Just the first thing that comes to mind, don't overthink it, 
It's the first thing that comes to mind if I were to play any game with God. What would it be? The second thing I want you to ask is, God, why this game? First time I did this, God told me tennis. I'm like, God, what do you mean tennis? I've never played tennis in my life. I asked him why, and he said, because I want alone time with you. Ask God, what, why this game? Do you hear anything that is contrary to who Jesus is, that is unloving? unbiblical, reject it, and turn back to God. God, why this game? Next thinking of somebody in this room. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. But what I want you to do right now is ask God, what do you have to say to this person? Typically in this kind of thing, we, we notice God speaking a word or sentence revealing an image or sometimes even a verse, but just ask God, what do you have to say to this anonymous person? And then just take either a mental or a physical note of any words, images, or verses that you hear. person I was thinking of was you. So whatever you heard from God, that is what he's trying to say to you. How many people heard God's voice this morning? Come on. Come on. Last thing, we're not going to do this right now, but just as you go home, I want to encourage each and every one of us to take a second and write a letter to ourselves from God. Just start it, dear Darian, and just start writing. Don't overthink it. Because overthinking is a great way to completely miss what God's saying. But write down whatever you hear. Then when you're done, if you read over it, if you see anything that's not biblical or is negative, you can cross it out. If you see anything that you know doesn't line up with the true character and nature of who God is, cross it out. And then read what's left. Read what God is trying to say to you. 
us here who are surrendered to God. We need to learn to listen, to recognize His voice. stand together and want to pray. And then after this, we're going to go into a song. We're going to sing Sinking Deep. And as we sing, I encourage you to continue to have an open heart and receptive heart to hear what God is saying. Father God, I thank you that you are our loving Father. That you love each and every one of us so much that you are just waiting for us to turn to you so that you can pour out your love and your grace and your beauty and your peace and your hope into our hearts. God, I pray, help us to be people who are fully surrendered to you. That in every situation, in every circumstance, in every problem we face, that we will seek first. Help us be people who take time daily to stop, to focus, to listen, to discern, and to obey. That we will be led by you. Wherever you lead us, God, we go.